Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Good morning. Good morning. And aloha. 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 I want you to learn a little pigeon here. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, I know you, you somebody. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Do you know when you say aloha, do you know what you're saying? What, what are you saying? Yes. It's aloha. I breathe into you the breath of God, the life of God. Aloha. That's better than hi. I'm from America. Aloha. And my prayer is this morning that we might know the aloha of God. It's a joy to be here this morning with pastors, uh, Gideon and Catherine and the family. I mean that. God loves his church. And he said, I will build it. We don't have the skill or the ability to build God's church. But all he requires of you and me is that we be servants of the Most High God. And you might consider your task in the church menial, but it has value. It's just as important as the word that's preached, the music that is shared. Whatever we do, if we do it for the glory of God, it's part of working for God. You know, Jesus says the laborers are few. But my prayer is that we will experience revival in New Zealand again. Seven years ago, I mentioned this yesterday at the men's uh, breakfast, and that was, that was fabulous to see so many men together. That's a good starting point, church. And um, I shared the fact that seven years ago when, when I drove into Christchurch, my brother Paul driving, and uh, my dad, who was legally blind and partially deaf, we were one of the first planes out of Auckland into Christchurch. And I'll never forget that horrific scene. It looked like a bomb-raided city. Collapsed buildings, devastation for miles. And I, I found myself profoundly moved, sad, sorrowful. It's such gigantic loss. But God gave me a word And word was simply this, greater things have yet to be done in this city. And then the Lord gave me this scripture, it's from the book of Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18. Though the fig tree does not um, bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, 
Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And this is what the Lord just kind of imparted to my spirit. Where there is loss, there is room for God. In our brokenness, there's room for God. What do we do in times of distress and catastrophe and chaos? We pray. We praise and we look to God for help. One of the principles of the kingdom of God that before there's great growth, there's a pulling down of structure. First the natural, then the spiritual. I wonder what superstructures in your life need to be demolished. I wonder, are the foundations of your life secure enough and stable enough so that when the adversities of life crowd you, are you able to stand, having done all to stand? God's a God of redemption. And he seeks to gain man's attention and he shakes the world because man invariably has shaken their hands at God in rebellion. First the natural, then the spiritual. And invariably before revival, there is a shaking. There's a stripping bare. We've got nothing else to hold on to but God himself. And though your beginnings be small, as you stay true to God and walk in righteousness and truth and holiness and joy in the Holy Spirit, God will add to the church such as should be saved. It's his church. He loves his church. He gave his life for the church. It's not going to church. We are the church. It's not a building. It's the people of God infused with the life of the Holy Spirit. I, I take preaching very seriously. I've still got a Kiwi uh, uh, sense of humor. The Americans do not understand it. But it's all right. No matter how much they pray for revelation, it doesn't seem to work. But as as I shared yesterday, and I I share this for a reason, I've I've faced my own mortality uh, at least three times in the last two years. I'm 78 years of age. I know I don't look it. No, I look 102. (laughs) But I remember in the hospital in in, in, uh, Honolulu, I was broken I found myself weeping before the Lord. As a young man, I've I've seen God work. I've been privileged to be part of many, a move of God. 
here I am alone in the hospital room, wondering, oh God, there's so much more that needs to be done. As an old man, I still want there to be fruit in my life, fruit that will remain. And, and I poured out my soul to the Lord. And, and this was the scripture that the Lord gave to me. Since my youth, O oh God, you have taught me. And I can say that's true. I love God so much I went to two Sunday schools every Sunday. <laughs> Tory Street in the morning, Vivian Street Gospel Hall in, in the afternoon. I went to communion as well, and then I went to the gospel service. Four times a Sunday, I went to the house of God because I loved the Lord so much. Since my youth, O oh God, you have taught me, and to, to this day declare your marvelous deeds. I can share the marvelous deeds of God. Not fabricated, but real. And then this was the scripture that I, I grabbed hold of. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O oh God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Young people, I want you to hear the, the heart of an old man. God will never jam you up. He'll not put you into a little hole and then cover you with dirt so that you're preserved for the resurrection. There's a destiny for you. He's going to take you further, listen to me, than, you, than our generation. The stakes are higher. The challenge of the world is greater. This, this world is racing towards an eternity without God. You're going to need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to impact your generation. Not fabricated miracles, but miracles that are authentic and that have the mark of heaven upon them. The scripture that the Lord gave me this morning Pastor said to me yesterday, what are you speaking on tomorrow? I said, I don't have a clue. Get a little nervous. Early this morning I woke up and I knew what I was to preach on. You got the scripture there? This one thing I do, forgetting, well, let's read it together, okay? Let's do it together. Or as loud as you can with a Kiwi or Persian accent, whatever fits you, all right. This, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straight towards what is This one thing I do. I'm a very divergent type of individual. I have a mandate from God. And my mandate is simply this, to declare to the next generation the power 
and the elements of the kingdom of God. That's my mandate. I've stepped off committees, board meetings, boards, to do one thing, like the Apostle Paul, to preach and proclaim the gospel. My mandate is simple, to encourage pastors, leaders, local churches, in brokenness and humility, to encourage them. And there are so many distractions in the world that vie for our attention. And they drain us of vitality and life because we're here, we're there. We're we're like a charismatic butterfly. This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward to the mark of that what? The prize for which God has called me, heavenward. That's the direction we're moving, heavenward. That's one thing I do. I've always had a hunger for revival. Some of the finest preaching I heard as a young man were revivalist speeches, preached sermons, Ivor Davies, the Weck Mission, uh, J. Edwin Orr, George Jeffries in England who founded the Elam movement. Smith Wigglesworth. I was associate pastor in Bradford, right up north where the ducks fly backwards to keep the muck out of their eyes. You know what I mean? (laughs) And here I was in the home church of Smith Wigglesworth. His children and grandchildren were in that assembly. And then after pastoring as an associate pastor for two years in in, in Bradford, I went to the Cardiff City Temple in Wales. And I learned about the Welsh revival. And one thing I discovered is, as I studied these men, such as Ivor Davies, Smith Wigglesworth, George Jeffries, Evan Roberts, Catherine Coleman, Duncan Campbell, they were all single-minded. They had one passion that drove them to make a mark upon the world in which they lived. Smith Wigglesworth was a remarkable man. He came to New Zealand and pioneered churches. He didn't feign miracles. He saw the dead authentically raised radical healings. It's true his daughter that was deaf never was healed. And she would pray for the deaf to hear and they would hear, but not her. We don't always understand the mysteries of healing, why some are healed and not. And it's not always because of lack of faith. God is sovereign and he knows what he's doing. But Smith Wigglesworth was the man that was single-minded. There was a young man that he discipled. And I was asking him one day about Smith Wigglesworth, 
who lived in 70 Victor Road, Bradford. I said, well, tell me about Smith Wigglesworth. Any stories? He said, well, I, I remember once, Pastor. I was only, what, 22 years of age? He said, we were sitting in park and Brother Wigglesworth, right along, you know, has this lovely hat on his head and his suit and his tie, and we were sitting together. And this, this girl walked by, and he looked at me, and he said, Lad, keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth never read a newspaper, never listened to the... The, the radio, his response was, I don't need to read the news. I got the best news in the book of the Bible. He was blunt. I visited one lady and she was sick and, and uh, dear woman of God, I said, did you have any experience about Smith Wigglesworth? She said, I do actually, Pastor. Me and my friend, we went to Leeds. And there was a great multitude of people. And I, w I went up for healing. And he looked at me and he said, do you believe I God can heal you? I said, I'll do, Brother Wigglesworth. He said, all right, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I said, what happened? I doubled over with pain. <laughs> I said, well, what did he say? He said, don't come up here if you don't believe God. She said, but you know, me and my friend, the next day we went back to the same service. It was a revival crusade. And, and I, 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 go, I, I said to my friend, shall we go up again? She said, well, I, I think we'll give it a go. I said, what happened? She said, well, I go up there and he said, yeah, I'll see you back here again. Do you believe God can heal? How do Brother Wigglesworth? In the name of Jesus. <laughs> what happened? I was healed. <laughs> he was a rough man. He wore the finest of suits. But he's a man that would weep for the lost. He was a man that was single-hearted. This one thing I do. He touched the world. Wherever he went, there was radical change. And then I went to Cardiff, Wales. Love the Welsh. Very emotional. <laughs> They're not happy unless they're miserable. <laughs> and I learned about the history of of Evan Roberts. Yes. And of course, this man has, has marked the world with, with his faith. And with his faith, not his face. <laughs> and and, and this, is, this, this is what he said. If, if you want to have revival, put away your sins, repent, forgive everybody, Confess Jesus as Savior and Lord and obey the Spirit of God. Young men and young women, I want you to hear this. Evan Roberts was a young man working in the coal mines. 
15-year-old, and he had a passion for God. And after work, he would just find, go to the little chapel and pray for revival. And I once asked this lady, this dear lady, I said, tell me about him. She said, well, I went to was in Cardiff. I said, what happened? Well, we're all standing there. The place is jammed. It's, it's packed to capacity. And then Evan Roberts comes in and everybody's looking, ready for a great sermon. What did he do? He said, well, he just bowed his head and started weeping. And he kept weeping and weeping. And then the Spirit of God fell. And we're on our face before God. It was his brokenness. An open heart towards heaven that was the the means of the Lord pouring out a spirit upon the Welsh people. It impacted the nation. It turned the tide of the economy. England was in a very bad state, morally and spiritually, but it was awakening of the spirit of God. You see, you don't need PR when the spirit of God is being outpoured. When God's in the house, the world will flock to the house of the Lord. And what one of the phrases that that came out of the Welsh revival, when the fire of God fell, it burned up the dead. We spend so much time because of the legitimate expenses in terms of the church, but when the spirit of the Lord is out, people open their hearts and their pocketbooks to give because they want to see the gospel spread around the world and I'm saying God do it again do it again do it again but what are we willing to lose everything do you know why we're not receiving revivals Because we want to have an encounter with God without being changed by the life of the Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord was outpoured on the day of Pentecost, what did the, it was noised abroad. It immediately went from the upper room to the outer room of the world. It motivated, mobilized the church and the church went out and shared the gospel. It was so radical, they lost their lives. But they were willing to die for Christ because they had heard from heaven that sound of the angels, a sound from heaven And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
They spoke, yes, in tongues. We so focus on the tongues. It's not focusing on the tongues. That's just a language. But it has to be in a changed life that propels us into a lost world. As an old man, I say, God, I still want to be used of you. You want to get comfortable, wait till heaven. Life is so short. It is so short. Each day I ask the Lord, Lord, what is the one thing that I need to do today? I want you to look at this little clip on what it means to get old for those of you that are over 30. Every morning when I wake up, I say, I'll never be as young as I am today. Today is the youngest day of the rest of my life. Get up and do something fun. Do something significant. Every day I say, Lord, what can I do today? Prompt me. If I do one thing today, just before I, I, I flew from Hawaii here, I was sitting at the table with, with my wife and I felt impressed to call this woman. I hadn't spoken to her for a long time. I called her and said, Jackie, her husband had died about a year ago. He was high in the military and I, and I just felt prompted to call her and said, Jackie, I just called you to let you know that you're not alone, that God understands your circumstance, and she began to weep. And she said, you know, I was questioning God. I was, I was, in, this, I was in depression. I was discouraged. And I, I just felt absolutely helpless. And then you called. You see, you don't need to be a spiritual giant to pick up a phone and call someone yeah. and say, I was thinking of you. How are you doing? It's that touch. It's that showing of interest. That's right. That's if we touch just one person per day in a year, how many year, days is that? 365 last time I looked at the calendar. See, what can I do? There is so much you can do. Every morning when I wake up, I say, Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? I never tell people I'm a pastor. They immediately get religious. I play a game. I say, what do you think I do? Oh, you're in sales. Oh, yes, I guess I am. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're a professor. Oh, yes, well, sometimes I am. They, they give up. I say, what do you do? I say, actually, um, <clears throat> the one that I work for, is, it's out of this, the benefits are out of this world. <laughs> I said, I work for God. I was, I was flying. They, had to, they upgraded me to first class because there were no seats in the economy class, which I, I like the way God does that. And I, I found myself seated next to a man who was extremely wealthy. And we played this little game. 
And when he discovered I was a pastor, it began to shift, but I, I, I altered that. I get an email from him every day, and I respond. The rich need the gospel as well as the poor. I still want to be used to the Lord. There's one thing I do. One thing I do. One thing I do. See, there are many things I could do. I, I do feel I should wrap this up this way, if you don't mind. Will you be going to watch three runs of last night's tragic win? Boy, you're slow this morning. No rugby players here, I can see that. I'm, as I mentioned, very divergent and have two children, a daughter that's just like her husband, uh, her father, perfect, erudite, humorous, <laughs> and a son that's a rascal just like his mother. <laughs> well, my, my, our son David, David Jr., was born with a lot of uh, physical challenges, and he nearly died at birth. And life for him was always a struggle. But pastoring churches requires a lot of strength and energy, especially as the church grows, so many demands. And later on, I discovered that the children felt I was too busy for them. It can happen, you know. And uh, I remember he was going through depression See, one of the reasons uh, he attended a YWAM school and he was offended because all his friends had heard God speak to them, but he had never heard God speak to him. He felt left out. He was mad at God. He was ticked off at God. Sometimes the language we use can actually alienate people. So we're special people and they're not. It's not intended to do that, but it happens. And I had a conversation. It was 5 a.m. in the morning. It was in Europe. And this is what I wrote later. You talked last night, son. You talked nonstop for over an hour. I listened. Oh, how I listened. It was 9.30 p.m. We were both tired after a busy day. But you talked, talked, reclining, philosophizing, expressing, thinking, sharing, questioning. I haven't found all the answers, but I want to. I want to help other people, my son said. Listen to this. I'm backing off Christianity, the church. I want to experience the Christian faith for myself. It's hard to accept faith as I've grown up. I must find it myself. I want God to tell me the answers to my life, my spirituality, my future. God has stepped back and letting me handle things. Some rely too much 
on God. How do you think I'm feeling as my son is sharing these thoughts? I need to do experience life to observe life as it is and why they do things. Dad, you noticed that lately I haven't been wearing a deodorant. Why? I want to see what people's reactions are. You know, sometimes our kids test us to see if we really walk the talk in terms of our faith. Will they accept me? And then he, came, he turned his focus on me and said, you teach my preaching. Tired was one of your observations. You're right, son. Thanks for talking. I really appreciated listening. Talk on. I have so much to learn. I focused on my son. And I listened. And I wanted to interrupt and, and try and justify my behavior. But the Lord says, no, just listen. This one thing I do. Then later he, his mother is Swiss. He's bilingual. And it was when he was about 23 years of age, he finally ended up in YWAM went to the base, he, he didn't want to, to be in an English-speaking DTS, he wanted to be in a French. So he did a, a, <coughs> a school in the south of France, <coughs> and then he went on outreach to Senegal. He had been a year in, 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 in America getting ready for this trip. He had the neatest of clothes, all designer clothes and shoes, everything. And when he went to the airport and flew into to, to this, this, this uh, city in, in France, on his way to, to, to DTS, all that he'd worked for for a year was stolen in those suitcases. After the, his DTS... I called him in Paris and I said, son, son, I'd like to come and spend some time with you. Do you know what his first question was? Are you going to be doing any ministry on the trip? Because in the past, whenever I would fly in, there would always be ancillary ministry. I said, no, son, I'm coming just for you. Because of the pain and depression of my son, it was difficult communicating with him all those teenage years. I tried, oh, how I tried. And we had our moments. So I fly into Paris. He has an English friend with him that was also just back from Senegal, an outreach with YWAM. And that first eight hours was very awkward. I couldn't connect with my son. It's hard as a parent when you long to connect with your son and all the barriers are up. 
an English guy, we're in the top, halfway up the Eiffel Tower. He uh, very assiduously said, um, I think I'll go back to the base. And that night, we sat, it was on the 4th of July. He talked. And the Lord said to me, I want you just to listen. He talked for over two and a half hours. And I listened and I wept inside. Why am I telling you this? Because parents, we go through these situations. But we are so focused in so many different things. Is that not true? We lose our kids. We don't mean to. So either earning money, put them through school, whatever. The next morning we went to church. It was bilingual French and English. We had communion. It was a small group. And we were in a circle. And my son had his friend between us. And when he got the bread... I, this is what I said to myself, son of a gun. I can't even stand next to my son in communion. And then he did something. He stepped in front of his friend and says, Dad, can I break bread with you? I began to weep. There was a moment of healing was the beginning of a new relationship. The same with the, the, the chalice of wine. Dad, would you break bread? Or would you drink this cup with me? This one thing I do. Are you distracted? Are there so many Factors that just pull you in all directions. That's why there's a lack of peace. Less of, uh, a lack of inner uh, quietness before the Lord. He says, be still and know that I am God. See, parents, you can trust God with your children. You can trust God with your children. Hear me. You can trust God with your grandchildren. When nothing makes sense, you can trust God with them. But you have to shut up and let God. Sometimes we, we talk too much. The Lord says, I've seen you cry. I've heard your tears in the night. And you're not alone. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd give wisdom. That be comfort of your spirit. You're a God of new beginnings. Forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward. Don't be held captive by those experiences of the past. It says, just let your life flow in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Do not say you can't when God says you can. He's seen your tears in the early hours of the morning. He's heard your cry. When you've been weighted down with feelings of depression, you didn't realize that the Lord was there. But your grief was so overwhelming, you were unable to see past the pain. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. We can claim our children for God, our grandchildren, grandparents. We can claim our grandchildren for God. When you talk to the God of the universe, he hears our prayer, he hears the cry of the humble, and he lifts them up. When, when we say, I can't, I don't know what to do, and the Lord says, you don't have to do anything, just pray, interceding. And, and sometimes as dads, we came on and wait. We didn't realize we're wounding our children at the same time. But God has got a reconciliation. And when we humble ourselves before our children, before our wives, before one another, then God begins to work. We have to let go of the past. We have to let, is that making sense? Sometimes we carry burdens we are not designed to carry. Isn't that true? The Lord loves you. you. Look at me. You're a dear woman. Just pray by your spirit, Lord. You'd strengthen this dear woman. Let anxiety be lifted from her. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're a rascal, aren't you? No, this is mum. This is you. You know what? Hear me. Don't try to be anyone that you are not created to be. God gives us a sense of humor. We need more laughter in the church, more authentic joy. We need humor. It's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. And sometimes when you look in the mirror, that's a good laugh to start with. In fact, I looked recently in the, in, the, in the bathroom mirror. I thought someone else was in the bathroom. <laughs> when I think of how I was a young athletic rugby player and I look at myself now and I weep and I say, even so, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> so let me just wrap this up in prayer. There's more, but you know, the Holy Spirit, you don't need someone to lay hands on you. The Holy Spirit is in the house. And he hears the cry of the humble. He hears the cry of the humble. And he gives grace. He gives grace. He gives, you love the Lord, don't you, both of you? You love the Lord. And uh, it's not always been easy. But he hears the heart cry of the humble. Lord, thank you for being among us. You're such a wonderful father. And Lord, we, I pray that, that we will put your kingdom first, that we'll do that one thing 
Oh, give us courage, Lord, to let go of all those things that, that have shackled us, held us captive from the past. Let us look up and move forward with the grace and the joy upon us. Bless this church, Lord. Protect this church from wolves that would seek to divide, from those that would have a hidden motive. Lord, we pray that, that, that you'll continue to add to this church those that should be saved. And, and as the, the borders of this church are expanded, may, may that always be acknowledged that it's your church to glorify you. Bless your servants that lead and all the leaders that serve. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.